In the heat of the moment, you're not just keeping it calm, you're keeping it cool too. With an ice cold cold brew, and not just any cold brew, but one that's slow steeped and mixed with brown sugar and molasses flavor. With a cold foam infused with brown sugar coolness and a cinnamon sugar sprinkle on top. That's keeping it calm, cool, and cold brewed. With Dunkin's new brown sugar cream cold brew, America runs on Dunkin'. Price and participation may vary. Limited time offer. Terms apply. Drew and Jonathan Scott here to tell you that American Family Insurance wants to protect your dreams. So whether you're at home singing in the shower. Every note. Or prefer singing your heart out in the car like Drew. Cruising. You can save up to 23% when you bundle your home and auto insurance with American Family Insurance. Get a quote or find an agent at AmFam.com. Insure carefully. Dream fearlessly. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin. Hello and welcome to another episode of This Week in History with me, your host, Dan the Viking. Now, this week is coming to you a little bit late, quite a bit late, actually. Uh, This was intended for Halloween, but for those of you who are on my Facebook um, or do know me quite well, you will know that Halloween is my time to shine, and therefore... Halloween is a time where I have absolutely no spare time whatsoever. So unfortunately, I haven't found any time to do, to do any episodes. With that in mind, I did put a picture up. Many of you had a few guesses. Uh, Paul Lightfoot, awesome guess, knew it straight away. I had a little chat with you about it afterwards. Um, you know, when, when you know, you know, you know, when you see these pictures and you know it's bang straight away, that's the peer points. Now, for most of you, um, who listen to this won't have any clue who the peer point family are. Um, and that's what this episode is to enlighten you with. So before we get into the episode, I do want to say hello to Kona, uh, my new Patreon member. So thank you very much for joining. Um, you said obviously on there that you're, you're looking forward to getting your teeth into those serial killer episodes. So, um, hopefully you shall, uh, enjoy those, uh, as well as all the other content that is on there for you. We'll get into the episode. Now, the reason I was doing this one for Halloween is it does involve murder, um, and executions and, a few details of things that might not be suitable for younger viewers or longer younger listeners. So what may shock you guys is the capital punishment in the UK. Now capital punishment was uh, legal or was used in the United Kingdom up until 1964. Okay, it was something that we banned in 1964. And Albert Pierpoint, who is the main focus of the Pierpoint family, is probably one of the most prolific and most famous hangmen in British history. Now, when we talk about um, 
death penalty and when we talk about Britain as a rule, when we talk about executions, Britain is well known for hangings. Um, you see it in thing a lot of American TV shows. I know Family Guy, um, South Park, things like that. They've all taken the piss out of the British um, and they all show executions as public hangings. Now, this may shock people to know that Britain actually did carry out uh, executions up until 1964 um, but you know it's um, it wasn't public okay so when you see these public hangings and I think most people now when they think of hangings they have that image of a big burly man with a balaclava um, or a hood um, pulling a trap door and and seeing the body swing um, at the end of a rope, uh, you know, obviously in a town square or something like that. That didn't happen. That wasn't how it was done. Um, it was changed to a, a private hanging in which the convicted um, prisoner, convicted normally murderer, would spend 30 days after their sentence now they would have they would be sentenced to death they would have 30 days until they were hung they spent 30 days in what we called the execution cell at the prison and in these cells there was a big wardrobe or bookshelf or something like that that would dominate most of one wall this moved out of the way and showed the gallows um, the accused would on the day of the execution which was 9am it was always done at 9am they would be led to the gallows they would have a hood put over their head the rope a lot of people uh, met their end this way in sort of the, the 1900s uh, up until 1964 now, unfortunately, with the British, with it having such a short period from sentencing to execution, a lot of innocent people were executed before having a chance to retrial or to exonerate themselves. And this is one of the main reasons why Britain abolished executions. Now, the Pierpoints, as a family, they sort of modernised execution from the old way of drop and swing to the full once that trap door opened they were dead within seconds now Albert Pierpoint sort of perfected that drop so he used to say that he would weigh the uh, accused he would check their height and weight and work out the length of the rope Okay, now the reason they worked that out was because he worked out a system that basically meant the exact, to the exact inch of what everybody's death would be on a rope. And the reason he did this was to make sure that the death was as quick and as clean as possible. Okay, and with this in mind, he believed. Uh, as long as many executioners in the UK believed that hanging was the most humane way of executing someone. Now, at the time uh, that Albert started becoming an executioner, 
America had the electric chair. Now, I'm sure many of us know the horror stories behind that. Um, it wasn't instant. It did take a, sometimes take a look, take a long time. Sometimes it took more than one attempt. Um, you know, the pain involved in, in the electric chair was, was quite immense from what I, I'm aware. Um, obviously never been in it myself, but from what I'm aware, it's not a very humane way of execution. Obviously the lethal injection is something that has been introduced recently. Um, but the hanging method was the preferred method for British executioners and the only method for British executioners. There was no other way of doing it. That was it. It was stop, drop, gone. Now, Albert Pierpoint was quoted to say that within 30 seconds of meeting somebody, they were dead. Okay, so the executioner did not meet the uh, the accused until the date of execution. In many circumstances, they had a helper with them who would do the height and the weight, and then the executioner would work it out as to what what they were going to length rope they were going to need and they would then on the date of execution at nine o'clock in the morning when that wardrobe was moved out of the way they would see the executioner he would then walk them to the cross on the trap door bound their hands and legs together bag over the head put the rope over the head and he would literally walk back to the lever and pull the lever within seconds. Um, the quickest he ever did, according to uh, my evidence that I found, was seven seconds. Seven seconds, apparently a guy ran from the execution thing, jumped on the spot and said, I don't need to be bound, just just get it, just do it. Um, and he just bang done within seven seconds of meeting uh, Mr. Pierpoint he was dead so it might not seem the most humane way of doing it it might not seem the best way of doing it but it was definitely very very effective now the reason they worked out the length of the rope to a to a, an exact art was there were cases uh, in the 1800s where execution sort of went to that private private execution rather than the public hangings that you'd see in somewhere like Tyburn or something like that. They went to these private executions and on a few occasions the rope was too long and therefore when the body hit the end of the rope um, the head would be ripped clean off. Um, on some occasions the rope was not long enough or the, the body was too light um, and when they hit the end of the rope um, hangmen would actually have to go under the trap door and grab the legs to pull them down to choke them to death even quicker so there are some horror stories to go with this um, and the reason why the uh, Albert Pierpoint in particular came up with this method or sort of perfecting that drop was purely to um to make sure that you know th this was done in the like i said the most humane way possible now 
to an extent, I can understand capital punishment. Um, I'm not here to really debate capital punishment. I know a lot of people are for it. A lot of people are against it. Um, I actually think there is a big calling for it to be returned in this country. Um, like I said, I can totally understand for certain crimes that it should be. Um, but like I said, the reason we abolished it in the first place was many, many people were executed for crimes they didn't commit. Um, Obviously, in the British justice system, there is a little bit of a difference to America. I mean, I've watched certain death row programs in America, um, and some of these guys have been on death row for 12 years, 10, 12 years. Um, In Britain, it was 30 days. 30 days and you were gone. There was no, no fucking about. The first man I'd like to talk a little bit about is Henry Albert Pierpoint. He was born on the 30th of November 1877 and he died on the 14th of December 1922. He was an executioner from 1901 to 1910 and he was Albert Pierpoint's father. Now, he was a very prolific hangman and actually carried out 105 executions himself. He was actually sacked for getting into a fight with his um, sort of protege or, or apprentice um, to which the apprentice wrote to the home office saying that they weren't happy with him um, obviously he'd started a fight and they you know they didn't feel safe around him and he was actually sacked for being um, drunk on the job um, but yeah 105 hangings this man was was a, uh, accountable for the next man we'll talk about is his brother, Thomas William Pierpoint, born on the 6th of October 1870, died on the 11th of February 1954. Now, he was an executioner from 1906 until 1946, so he had a much longer career than his brother. He was also appointed during the Second World War as the executioner by the US military and was responsible for 13 out of 16 hangings of US soldiers in Shepton Mallet military prison in Somerset. So these were deserters who were, um, or people who had broken the the law, um, American soldiers who had broken the law or deserted, um, and were sentenced to death. He actually executed 13 out of 16 American soldiers in on British soil. Um, so that might be a bit of a strange fact for, for some of you guys um, and something you may or may not have known. I mean, I, I, I found it a bit strange when um, I found out that we'd actually executed American soldiers on British soil. Um, but then you're talking sort of the 1940s, where if you deserted during the army, it wasn't just a case of going to prison. You was you was getting hung. So um, yeah, quite brutal um, and and not something I was expecting to to read when I when I read it. Um, he was actually responsible uh, for two hundred and ninety four hangings 
and 203 were civilians executed in England and Wales. So he did quite a few executions outside of the UK or for non-civilian like soldiers um, or people of military personnel. So he was quite, quite a, uh, I would say, a more famous or more prolific um, serial killer than uh, than his brother, and he actually retired in 1946 rather than being sacked. So he was better than his brother. But now we will talk about the man of the hour, the most famous, the most prolific uh, um, hangman or executioner in British history and that is Albert Pierpoint. He was born on the 30th of March 1905 and he died on the 10th of July 1992 aged 87. He was the executioner for Great Britain 1931 until 1956. Now like I said he was uh, son and nephew to to uh, prolific uh, executioners and he knew from an early age that he wanted to be a hangman now they when kids drawing things at school and the teacher asked the class to draw um, a picture of what they want to be when they grow up and at 11 years old he drew a picture of him pulling the lever and someone hanging there and he wrote underneath it that he wanted to be the chief executioner for Great Britain so quite a dream for for a young kid um yeah bit of a shock but he actually took part in his first execution in September 1932 at 27 years old this was alongside his uncle Tom and he didn't actually take control of an execution himself so as lead executioner until October 1941. He had a very, very long career. And the amount of people that he hung is estimated between 435 and 600 people. Now, there is more evidence to suggest it's the lower end there's a lot of evidence to suggest it's 435 hence why that is such a specific number but it can be anything up to 600 executions that he took part in now we have to remember that he was an executioner at the end of the second world war and he actually hung 200 nazi war criminals as well so they are included in that total still quite a prolific number um and still quite a quite an impressive number i suppose if if you want to uh to go down that but he did uh, execution execution execute fucking hell daniel get your words right he executed some of the most prolific serial killers in british history and they included gordon frederick cummings who was a British serial killer known as the Blackout Killer or the Blackout Ripper, who murdered four women and attempted to murder two others over a six-day period in 1942. And he was also suspected of committing two earlier murders. He was a serial killer that took part in or 
did murders during the blackouts in London when the Nazi bombs came down and everybody had to turn all their lights out. He also executed John Haig. For those of you who are on my Patreon, we have done an episode on John Haig. He was known as the acid bath murderer who was convicted of killing six people but claimed to have killed nine. He shot his uh, victims dead and then dismembered their bodies and melted them in acid. He was one of Pierpoint's victims. He also hung John Christie. Now, most people in in England, in Britain, know of John Christie. He was an English serial killer and a necrophile. For those of you who don't know what that is, Google it because it's not something that you want to know much about. He was active during the 1940s and early 1950s and he murdered eight people, including his wife, by strangling them and burying them in his flat at 10 Rillington Place, Notting Hill in London. Now, two of his victims were actually from the flat above, the wife and, uh, and daughter of another man who we will get to later. Now, the reason that one's important is because the husband was convicted of these murders and was hung by Albert Pierpoint. He was hung and executed and then a few years later they caught John Christie and they realised that they'd actually hung an innocent man. Now, weirdly enough, it's not something that he he said um, stayed with him. So... uh, his name was Timothy Evans. I'll, I'll cover it now rather than covering it later. But his name was Timothy John Evans, um, and he was a Welshman who was wrongfully accused of killing his wife and instant uh, and infant daughter. Um, he, like I said, he was he was convicted and murdered, or and and well, I would say it is a murder really rather than an execution because he was wrongly convicted. He was slightly slower than your average adult um, and that is one reason why um, it threw into a lot of questions about the executions and capital punishment in this country um, because it really brought to life that you're taking a life of someone who could be innocent and in this case this poor man was executed and was completely innocent Another such uh, person that he was that he executed that again threw into a lot of questions was a man called Derek William Bentley. Now, this is quite a famous case. Uh, he was born on the thirtieth of June, nineteen thirty-three, and he was executed on the twenty-eighth of January, nineteen fifty-three. He was a British man who was hung for the murder of a policeman during a burglary attempt when he was 16 years old okay now this is where it gets a little bit confusing he was not the gunman he was a very slow individual um wasn't as bright as his as his years 
16 years old when he committed the offence and during the trial the words were said that what he came out with what Derek Bentley came out with was let him have it and that is what his friend did or not friend but the person his accomplice did he shot the policeman on the words let him have it now Derek Bentley's lawyer claimed that he was only saying let him have the gun give him the gun we've been caught give him the gun that's what he meant by it let him have it let him have the gun don't shoot him it's not worth it we're going to get in trouble 16 years old mentally a lot younger than 16 um he was found obviously this this took a few years before it got to court and at 19 years old he was executed he did not commit the murder he just said let him have it and those three words or four words is that's that's a british thing have it is one word but or have it which is a v i t so i do apologize it is actually four words um but he was executed on on those words he didn't do it he didn't, didn't commit the murder he was present at the murder mentally not capable and yeah and that's what happened so it's a very strange case that one and whilst we're on strange cases and cases that probably threw into question about the British system we'll talk about Ruth Ellis now Ruth Ellis was very famous at the time she was a British escort, nightclub hostess. She was born on the 9th of October 1926 and she was executed on the 13th of July 1955. Now, she was executed because she murdered her boyfriend, David Blakely. She actually walked up to him in a pub and shot him five times. He was an abusive man. He beat her he cheated on her he actually beat her so badly that she had a miscarriage and she'd gone past the point of no return and she was sentenced to die on the 13th of July and that's what happened but in court there was a lot of sympathy for her a lot of the British public believed that she yeah she should be in prison she should do a punishment but she shouldn't really lose her life for killing a man who physically assaulted her um, and beat her beyond recognition beat her to the point that she lost a child Um, something nowadays I think people would probably not get that you know not get that punishment no matter where you are in the country i think or in in the world i do think that people have a better outlook on on that domestic violence can cause somebody to to go to that that place and that's uh that's what happens you know she she was executed and there was a massive public outcry she was actually the last woman ever to be hung in great britain 
and one of the things that uh, Albert Pierpoint is known or, or spoken as he is spoken to be the last executioner now he wasn't the last executioner he finished in 1956 and we carried on executing until 1964 however he was the last person to execute a woman and he did the what we call single hangings so one person at a time whereas after Albert they went to more double hangings or group hangings to to get rid of obviously people a lot quicker now Albert Pierpoint did lead quite a normal life outside of this um, he was uh, a local publican or landlord of a pub and he run a pub in the 1940s to up until the 1960s it was quite a popular pub to be fair and why wouldn't it be because let's be honest how many people can say that they've shared a drink with an executioner now he was a nice guy most people said he didn't really talk about his life um, as as a hangman it didn't make a huge amount of money either um, towards the end he was getting what we call 15 pound a neck okay so 15 pound a neck is 15 pound per hanging essentially which isn't a lot of money it works out to roughly around 500 pounds nowadays 530 pounds something like that so you know when you think about the fact that he executed anywhere from 435 to 600 people it is a lot of money but it's not to me not a lot when you consider the conscience side of things i don't think 500 pound a neck is necessarily worth that amount of money i would say it uh, should be a lot more than that um he had a good approach to executions he believed that he was doing god's work he was very religious but he believed that anybody who was convicted it was god who'd convicted them um and his job was to carry out god's work so he he believed that what he was doing was absolutely right um and he had his own views on capital punishment so i'm just going to read you a little bit out of his uh, biography um and he just says um capital punishment is said to be a deterrent i cannot agree there have been murders since the beginning of time and we shall go on looking for deterrence until the end of time if death were a deterrent, I might be expected to know. It is I who have faced them last, young lads and girls, working men, grandmothers. I have been amazed to see the courage with which they take that walk into the unknown. It did not deter them then, and it had not deterred them when they committed what they were convicted for. All the men and women whom I have faced at that final moment convince me that in what I have done, I have not prevented a single murder. So he believed that, yes, capital punishment existed, yes, it was important, but it didn't stop anybody from committing murder. If they wanted to commit murder, they were going to commit murder there really wasn't much in it 
you know he they really believe or he really believed sorry that 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 they, they had no he had no effect on it it's not a deterrent if you wanted to commit murder you wanted to go out and commit some sort of crime then you would you would do it and that's yeah that was his outlook and and to be honest i can kind of concur with that because i think if your mind is made up to the consequences that could be i think it you know you you don't care what the consequences are we will just talk quickly just before we we end this episode on the belson trials okay now this is quite in, quite important um and this was at the concentration camp bergen belson all right and this is where he was sent over to conduct the executions on behalf of the british government now he went over and was supposed to be the executioner for the majority of these executions including the very high-powered german officials such as rommel um, and things like that however the americans pulled rank and bought their own executioner and the majority of the nazi war criminals were executed by american executioners unfortunately the american executioners were not savvy in the hangman sort of way hangman's way hangman's technique anything they didn't hang them they electric chaired and there wasn't an electric chair there so they had to hang the nazi war criminals and for all intents and purposes they made quite a cock up there were a lot of um nazi criminals who were executed and you know didn't die straight away some who ended up hanging on the end of a rope uh, there is even a case i believe of one nazi war criminal who was hung and snapped the rope because the rope wasn't tied on properly and loads of little things that kind kind of can believe when you think that someone's carrying out an execution on what they're completely not aware of you know the it, these american executioners had absolutely no idea on a hangman's noose and how it worked they were just there to carry out a job um, and it wasn't what they were used to so obviously he was a bit disappointed i suppose is the right word that he didn't get to to hang the the main ones i i would say is probably the best way of putting it however he did get to hang quite a few um war criminals and most notably um was a woman called Irma Grace or Irma Grease she was known as uh, the hyena of Auschwitz all right she was 22 when she was executed that makes her the youngest woman ever to be executed under british rule um in modern times obviously i'm assuming if we take it far enough back there probably was somebody a lot younger at some point but um for modern times she was the youngest uh, ever to be executed on brit under british rule so 
that's yeah sorry I've just just uh, noticed I'd written down uh, in the 20th century so yeah in the 20th century she's the youngest woman um, to die under British rule um, but she was like I said the, the beast of Auschwitz or the hyena of Auschwitz she was really sadistic um, used to dress up in all the kinky gear that we would probably associate with S&M nowadays and, and she would sexually abuse a lot of the um, inmates at, at these concentration camps at Bergen-Belsen and Auschwitz um, and she was actually a volunteer so she wasn't even she wasn't even really in the SS or anything like that she volunteered to uh, to join purely on the basis that she could be um, sadistic and and do what, what she wanted to the prisoners so quite um, quite a creepy one I think not a, not a very nice one for him to have done but probably a good one to get rid of um, another one was um, Joseph Kramer um, for those of you who do know your, your Nazi history he was the commandant of Auschwitz-Birkenau um, and was also in charge of the Bergen-Belsen training camp, uh, concentration camp. Sorry, not training camp. Um, he was called the Beast of Belsen, um, just directly responsible for thousands and thousands of the deaths. Um, and he was he was executed by um, by Albert Pierpoint as well. Um, and he was probably one of the most famous war criminals that he actually hanged um due to the fact that he was he was so well recognized um he was you know being the commandant of of Auschwitz for a certain amount of time you're talking thousands upon thousands of people that he gassed to death and to be honest when you think about this i don't think um i i think the, the americans probably did it right you know they did it wasn't a quick death when the americans hung him it was painful and wasn't very nice so um yeah i think i think really he probably got away with it quite easily by uh, by having albert pierpoint as his executioner um you know he 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 got a drop and stop whereas in america well when the americans were doing it it wasn't uh, you know you weren't you weren't guaranteed to be killed at the end of the rope it could have taken a little bit longer but um he was albert pierpoint was possibly the most prolific uh, definitely the highest number of executions um by a british man and you know like i said we all have our own personal um preference or personal thoughts on executions and capital punishment but you can understand why sometimes it's necessary um i can understand why people did you know agree with it and i I can also understand why people don't agree with it you know when you look at the two poor young men in 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 british history who were executed one executed for potentially not doing anything other than saying let him have it another one completely innocent executed for murdering his wife and child um and yet the real murderer gets executed the following year 
Um, and then you look at um, look at Ruth, and you look at the the execution of a woman who, crime of passion, murdered the man who beat her senseless and and abused her on a daily basis, and and caused her to have a miscarriage. So you can understand why there was an outcry in Britain to to ban these um, executions and. And yeah, and like I said, in in 1964, uh, executions were outlawed in Britain. So, but now you guys know a little bit more about who we call the family of executioners, the peer points. So you are talking potentially anywhere up to 900 people executed by these three men. Um, quite a lot, quite a lot of people. Um, yeah there we go let me know what you thought of this episode sorry again it has come quite late it is not or has not been the easiest weeks for me like I said with it being quite busy and uh, having a few other episodes recorded for um, Absolute Poppycock and um, Bizarre Tales I've said a lot of ums today Jesus Someone's going to pick up on that now and go, he said, um, a hundred times in this episode. There has been a lot. I am very tired. It is half past nine at night and I had to get this recorded because otherwise it's going to go another week without getting it. So I do apologize for the ums and errs in this episode and hopefully you guys can forgive me. Um, if you're not on Facebook, get yourselves over to this week in history podcast on facebook if you're not on patreon why are you not on patreon it's five dollars a month you get access to every single show that we've done without the adverts those annoying adverts that are at the start and the end of these you won't have to deal with any of those and you also get access to the extra shows and we also are going to be moving on from serial killers and hopefully coming up with a new idea for Patreon. So if anyone has any new ideas of anything they want to hear, let me know and we shall get them onto Patreon for you. So we've done a gangsters-themed series, I suppose, and we've done a British serial killer series as well. So if there's anything out there that you want to hear and you want to hear in my silky tones of of entertainment then let me know and we shall get a new series up on patreon for you guys to listen to but hopefully we shall see you soon just remember we all have history make yours great thanks for listening bye bye the world is always on but you shouldn't be junk sleep to bed at mattress firm's black friday now sale save up to 60 percent on sealy with queen mattresses starting at 279.99 talk to a sleep expert today and unjunk your sleep finding the right person for the job isn't easy just ask someone who hired a drama coach to be an it guy yeah i'm having trouble logging in i'm not buying it say it again this time with feeling i can't log in come on man i want to feel your struggle 
But if you've got an insurance question, you can always count on your local GEICO agent. They can bundle your policies, which could save you hundreds. Now, like your life depends on it. I can't log in. Yes, we'll make an actor out of you yet. For expert help with all your insurance needs, visit geico.com slash local today. GEICO presents Daily Affirmations. Repeat after me. Our thoughts are like the ocean. Our thoughts are like the ocean. Our thoughts create our reality. Our thoughts create our reality. We're thinking GEICO offers claim service 24-7 with personalized attention from an assigned team. GEICO offers claim service? Um, I, I wasn't thinking that. We think it and it becomes our reality. So, uh, what about washboard abs? Let's give it a go. Think really hard. Okay, abs, abs, abs. Yep, abs. keep thinking. To manifest more GEICO in your life, go to GEICO.com.